This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into another episode of the Ots and Audibles podcast. Solo show today. Well, I shouldn't say solo. We have a guest, but no Matt Preem, no Jared Mack on this show because Oregon women's basketball coach Kelly Graves uh, being generous with his time. Once I want to chat with kind of what the last year was like, what the future is like, what's going on with the program. It's been a minute, coach. How, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Looks like you've grown a beard since I saw you last. I grew a beard. I've got a mullet. Uh, all things with my face are changing. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the hip thing right now. So yeah, that's, uh, I think that's a good look, especially for Eugene. That that's always in vogue. I fit, yeah, I think I fit in okay here. Yes. Other parts yeah. of the country maybe less less so. Um, I wanted to actually start non women's basketball, but just because I know yesterday I saw. I think you were maybe the, the cameraman because I heard you kind of introing them in, but the volleyball and the women's basketball program kind of wishing best wishes to the, the women's golf program. How cool and special was I know they came up short but lost to Stanford in the championship, but how cool was it to see a program, you know, probably somewhat close to you or one that you have a lot of respect for make a run like that? Oh, it was great. Yeah, I, I really love Derek and Monica, you know, the coaches. Monica and I have played on a few uh, tournament-winning golf uh, tournaments. And, uh, and so I, you know, I really like them. I like them a lot and, uh, had a chance to go out to Eugene and watch them at the PAC 12, um, you know, championships. And, and then I followed every day. I, I was glued, even if I was here at the office, I was, uh, uh, you know, sitting there uh, watching them and following them and really, uh, uh, you know, really proud of them. You know, they represented us really well. And, uh, it was, uh, you know, they came up short got off to a bad start in that championship. You know, they played pretty well after the first six or eight holes and then just didn't have enough to come back. Yeah. The tough, tough to, to lose one like that, but I think there's a lot of optimism with what they're bringing back. And, and that maybe is a segue into some of the questions I'll ask you today about your program, but I wanted to start kind of with a look back. We're now a couple months removed from the end of the NCAA tournament and the loss to Belmont. Um, just like big picture, silver linings with the season have you had maybe the space now with some time to kind of reflect and see things maybe differently I know it was an emotionally taxing year and and maybe how how have you how are you framing last year towards this year's team well last year was really unlike any year I've experienced as a coach um you know we we had expectations and 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 still had relatively speaking a good season you know you finished second in the Pac-12 I don't care uh any season that that's considered a success the early exit from the NCAA tournament was, uh, you know, that stung. I, uh, um, you know, to be honest with you, kind of saw it coming. I and mean, we, we were kind of up and down all year. We had 
some really good games. We had some really bad games. Um, you know, we didn't really get going with uh, who we were and what we could be until after Christmas, you know, with all the injuries. When you have three all-pack 12 players out, for the most part, until then, uh, we just got a late late start. And, and to be honest with you, we just never really got it rolling like I thought we could, you know. Uh, I didn't do as good a job as I could have as a coach. I never really – uh, was in sync with, uh, with you know, how we were playing and all of that. I just didn't, in the end, put, push the right buttons. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a learning. You know, by most people's standards, my goodness, an NCAA tournament, second place in the Pac-12, uh, you know, it, it would be considered a successful year. But we've set a really high bar for ourselves here. And, and um, you know, and we, we kind of fell short. A couple comments on your outgoing press conference uh, down in Nashville that stood out to me were about in, wanting to improve a couple of things that I, I'm just kind of wondering how you go about doing that. And that was toughness and consistency. Because I think it's easy for me to sit here and be like, all right, how do you improve ball movement or, or this or that? Things that are seem more like you can instruct on a day-to-day basis. And maybe maybe the answer is you can with those two things. But toughness and consistency seem like two things that stood out to you, probably stood out to me, stood out to a lot of fans. What's the process of kind of correcting that in the offseason? Well, it's taken one at a time. The consistency, I think, will come. I mean, you know, one of the things that I'm really proud of in my time here, we've been incredibly consistent. If you look at, at you know, at our numbers across the board and how we play game to game, we don't – we haven't had a lot of highs and a lot of lows, you know, over the years. And we did this year, you know, to – to, to just be quite frank, I think part of that was certainly the injuries. We never really were in sync. How many times did we change the lineup? You know, and we went from big to small. Uh, you know, we, we, we tried, literally, we tried everything that we could. Uh, you know, Niara, as talented as Niara is, I mean, you go number five in the draft. You no, know, she was unable to really practice. I, I bet she didn't go through five to eight, you know, full practices all year. And so what you saw on the court was just how, you know, how talented she is, but she wasn't at times always in sync with the rest of us. Um, you know, and we had other, other players like that throughout the season. Uh, and, and that just, it, it hurts, you know, you just, you, you don't have that, that camaraderie that you might need and just that, um, you know, everybody n- knows their role. And we, we struggle with that a, a little bit. And I think that's just is what made us inconsistent. And, and listen, a lot of that falls on me. You know, I, I could have just said, hey, listen, we're going to go small. And when I say small, that's like with Sidney Parrish at the four. And right. you go with just one of the centers. And then there were times, and toward the end, I figured if we want to go deeper in a tournament, we're going to probably do so with, with a bigger lineup. So then, you, you know, you've got Sedona and you've got Niar in the starting lineup together there, and you move Parrish to the three. So, anyway, I think that was the, you know, the really the issue. Uh, and then um, in terms of the toughness, you know, it's just – I don't know if that's something that we can really teach. Uh, we have really nice people. I mean, seriously, we got along. Our chemistry off the court was great, and at times on the court was great. But, uh, you know, we just didn't – like when you lose to Davis, right? Mm-hmm. And no disrespect to UC Davis. They're a great program, and I love their staff. Nobody really got pissed off. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we're not supposed to lose. And then granted, we didn't have, you know, the, the big three, so to speak, in that game, but, but still. And it was just kind of those things on the, on the daily basis. 
the competitiveness, the toughness that I think you really need at, at this level and, and at the level where we want to, you know, continue to be. So, you know, I think we can do a better job as coaches, you know, uh, working more in competitiveness in practice. And again, I think, and again, not to make excuses, but when you don't have everybody every day at practice, it's really difficult then to make it as competitive as you want. I, I know it's not, you can't make a solution to a problem with one addition. Taya Hansen from Arizona State, when I spoke with her on the phone about specifically about toughness and, and that kind of defensive mentality, that sort of stuff coming from Arizona State, obviously Charlie does a great job of instilling those sort of things. Again, I don't want to make it one person's going to be responsible, but how much can she help that kind of veteran leadership? Someone's been around a while and knows kind of some of that, that mentality stuff that maybe you're getting at a little bit more. Well, for four years, She's been one of the toughest guards for us to, you know, to, to contend with. I mean, I, I just love her. I love her attitude. You know, uh, Arizona State has always had that reputation, and, and rightly so, of just being a, a tough, hard-nosed team. And she is the, the ringleader of that. So I think she'll bring that to us. And, 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 and I don't mean like somebody that's just going to be an enforcer and that kind of stuff, but just when, when there's adversity, okay? We've, we've had things pretty good over the last several years, right? We haven't had a lot of adversity. And there have been times, you know, even that, that Sabrina's last year when we go 31-2, and two, you know, we dropped one to Louisville. We picked ourselves up and, and played much better. Then we dropped one at Arizona State. And I think that really galvanized the team. That, that brought us together. That wasn't going to happen again. And they showed, we showed some real resilience on, on bouncing back. And we just, when adversity hit this year, we struggled through it and stayed mired in, in uh, you know, in the mud, so to speak, uh, for a while. And I think Taya is going to help in that. I mean, she's not a one-person fix-all, right. but I think just that attitude's going to rub off on everybody else. And um, and I've seen a, a, a tougher India this spring. I mean, now she's a tough player, by the way. That she, I'll tell you, she. Uh, says what she feels. And, and I love that. Um, but you know, and Tahina's getting a lot better in that area too. So now you look at that guard line and it's a pretty tough crew. Kind of transitions a little bit into the next thing I was going to ask about, which was three point shooting. And I think it was a strange year because you look at a lot of the splits from a lot of these shooters at other schools or what they were as high school recruits or even pastors at Oregon. And for uh, this is, I think a, a low for a Kelly Graves coach team at Oregon for sure. And I don't know how far back at Gonzaga we have to go to find a team that shot 33% from three. Uh, I, that's, I've obviously, you mentioned it on your outgoing press conference. Is it kind of another one of those things that you needed to find improvement? I know Taya probably helps a little with that. Chance Gray, Jenna Asai, Grace Van Sluten, maybe they can help with that. But kind of what's, what's it take to get to that next level? Because this is a program that was 39 to 42% for about four or five years in a row there. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. I, I'm not sure uh, that our players always shot with confidence. That, that's something I can can help with, I think, as a coach, put them in the better positions, make them feel good about where they're at. Uh, I think, um, you know, the fact that we've we've lived for years off players getting into the paint and, and kicking it out and, and really, you know, think of Aaron Bowley, Lexi Bando, you know, Maite, even Sabrina Satu, you know, really good shooters. Well, it's because they were set up by people that could get into the paint and make something happen. We just we weren't really good at that. You know, the ball screen uh, the last couple of years we we've really struggled with with uh, with being able to put pressure on the defense that way. And that's where you get your easiest shots. 
Um, and uh, I think just, you know, a lot of it's just, again, consistency. I, I, I'm not sure we had really any dead eyes last year, uh, just like true dead eyes. You know, when Bowley or Bando, uh, Sabrina, when they missed a three, an open three, it was like, wow, that's shocking. You know, we just, I don't think, really had those kind of players. I think Tahina's got it in her, India certainly. Uh, and I think now, India certainly, when now with a year under her belt, she's having a great spring in terms of shooting. I mean, it's been incredible. And, and Tahina, too. So I think it's confidence. It's getting them open looks and better looks. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and we got a, another way to get easy threes is in transition. And we didn't run it as much the last couple of years. We haven't pushed the ball in transition and gotten open threes in, in uh, you know, early in the offense. So I think it's just a combination of a bunch of stuff. And we're aware of it. And we, we want to get back to the way we've, we've played. And my Gonzaga teams, like you said, always really good at the three. And we've been among the nation's best here uh, for a good portion of my tenure here. Speaking to the tempo part, do you feel like you have the roster in place to be a little bit more up and down? I know part of that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, might have been just because you were playing two bigs and, and that can be hard sometimes to get up and down in transition. Do you feel like maybe the roster is – and I'll ask you a couple of questions in terms of roster management and kind of where you are with things. But do you feel like with the piece in place now, you, you have the ability to, to maybe be a little more aggressive and getting out in transition? I, I do. Uh, I think, uh, and we've, we've really been focusing on it this spring. Uh, I think, uh, you know, and it, it's partly, like you said, I think that the, when we went big, sometimes that, you know, you take away Niara from the offense and, you know, if you, if you try to go too, too quickly and you're doing yourself a disservice, uh, but anyway, yeah, I think, you know, we're focusing on it. I, you know, you may, we've already mentioned those three guards, uh, Hanson, Pow Pow and, and Rogers. And I think, you know, they're going to be terrific in it. Elise is really good in transition. One of the biggest strengths I think chance has is her ability in transition. I think she's terrific. She's a great passer in transition and, uh, and obviously a, a playmaker as well as a great shooter and then Jenna size. So we're going to consciously try to up the tempo a little bit, see if we can get some easier baskets uh, from the three-point line early. Mentioned a second ago, just kind of roster acquisition. I'm curious, the portal, you're a couple years into this, your strategy this year, adding one, I know you lost five, but you also brought in four really highly, like we said, top 50 recruits in the, in the prep class. What's kind of the, I mean, is this, is it kind of evolving year by year of how to utilize the portal of, because a couple of years ago, I know in the past, you've been a little more aggressive. And again, I'm not sure if you're done yet, because it's still early-ish in terms of you could add more, but have you kind of settled on being a little bit more prep recruit as opposed to, or does it just change every year? Yeah, I think it's still fluid. I'm not sure ever, anybody knows exactly how to handle this thing. We did, we made a conscious effort this spring to end the cycle. Okay. Um, of portal out. Okay. Let's bring portal in. Uh, I think we're going to stick with the 11 players we have. I feel really good about it. Um, you know, it's a smaller roster size, but I think that in this day and age, everybody wants to play. And the last couple of years, we've had 13 people on the roster and no injuries uh, in terms of season-ending injuries. And so, uh, you know, I think it's, it's kind of hurt us. You know, people want to play more. They want a, either a different role or a bigger role, and it's kind of hard to do that when you have so many players. So we just made a conscious effort. I told the staff, listen, I don't want to talk about the portal. I don't care who's in it. Um, you know, we're going to stick with this 11 players and end the cycle. Let's say, for instance, you mentioned those great freshmen that we have. Yeah. You know, let's say we bring in 
two or three more players from the portal, most of them grad transfers. We wouldn't be picking them up if they didn't have some kind of pretty good game, right? And so then now, now maybe they play ahead of the freshmen, and then the freshmen get disillusioned the next, you know, that next season because they didn't play as much. And then they enter the portal, and then you got to replace. It just becomes a vicious cycle, and you start going down the abyss. Now, that being said, that's the approach we've decided to take. Others like Arizona, who lost eight players in the portal, they picked up some really good ones. They have a nice class coming in, too. So now suddenly they've got a ton of talent, but they've got a lot of players who want playing time and want shots. And so, you know, we'll see how it goes. Maybe that's the model that ultimately is going to be where we all go and should go. Maybe it's ours. But I like where we're at. I mean, tell me any program or, you know, outside of a, a few that are going to have a deeper guard line than us. When you talk Hanson, Pal Pal, Rogers, those are all Pac-12 guards, right? And then you you have Elise Hurst, who had a really, you know, a solid season for us this last year. It's a 1,000-point score. And then two so-called McDonald's All-Americans, five-star recruits coming in. Those are six really good guards. I mean, that's deep. That's two at every position. We're still going to struggle with how we're going to get all these kids time. Right. Uh, and then, you know, and then, and I think we're pretty solid, certainly at the five with Prince and uh, Philly and Kennedy Basham, uh, you know, the freshman out of Arizona. And then the four, Grace Van Sluten, who we think is a, just a tremendous player, and Taylor Hosendove, you know, we can s- maybe swing uh, Jenna Asai there a little bit at the four because she's a big, strong kid, can defend multiple positions. And it also allows us maybe once in a while, a few minutes a game to go double big maybe Philly and Sedona or you know Sedona and Kennedy we'll see how that goes so really I think we've got good depth even though we only have 11 players we're talking before we started recording about you're ending some of those spring workouts now I'm curious on kind of what are some of your your takeaways I know you only have six players here I think um, you mentioned all the players a moment ago and what were some maybe some broad strokes that you like about this group and maybe how things have come together in, in a positive way yeah, well, I've been hands-on this spring. I've done a lot of the workouts myself, or with my staff, but I mean, I'm actually physically uh, uh, down there working with them. I think Tahina, Elise, and, and um, uh, excuse me, India, they've done a great job. We, we practice those three together a lot, um, and, and they've had a great spring. They're really working hard. Uh, Sedona and Taylor H., Uh, they've spent a lot of time, you know, working out as well. Now, Sedona has a million things going on in her life, but she has really had a nice spring. She's here at every workout. So when she does go and has a, uh, you know, a a photo shoot in LA or throws out the first pitch up in Seattle, she either makes that up if she misses a workout or she does it, you know, on the weekend when we're not really working out. They've been great. Now, Philly broke her hand. You know, she played the whole season with a broken hand, Eric. I didn't know that. Yeah, tough kid. Uh, and we went ahead and she had surgery a few weeks ago. So she has yet to be out and, and work in an individual capacity. But she's, uh, you know, running with the team. She's lifting best she can. Uh, certainly a lot of leg work. And, uh, you know, and just doing some one-handed stuff around the basket. So she has not been playing with us. And so we, we have uh, those workouts uh, three or four times a week. And then they're playing twice a week against our practice guys. And that's been actually kind of fun. So on Tuesdays and Thursdays, they, they uh, play for a full hour against our practice guys. Ch- Ch- Philly's injuries at left or right hand? 
it's her shooting hand. It's her left. The left. Yep. That's that's makes it pretty tough. But she wait. So she had that the whole season. She shot wait, the ball. Might be right. No, it might actually. I think it is her right hand. Okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Because she has been working on her left. Actually, it might have been better if it was the left hand. She'd be really working with the with yeah. the right because ultimately, as a center, you know, you got to be able to finish. You know, with both hands inside, but. I really like, you know, her attitude. I like where, what she's doing and where she's at. I, I really like the headspace of the of the players that we have back. She seems like someone who has so much potential and upside, and I know she's re- relatively new to the game, and it's unfortunate she hasn't been able to be at full go these last couple of months. But what sort of – I don't want to set any expectations because I think that can be sometimes unfair. But, like, what what's realistic for her in terms of her development I mean, this last year, she was a big, when she came on the floor, it seems like she impacted things positively, but it was typically in short spurts, maybe six to 10 minutes per game. Does it feel like she can give you more? I do. Yeah. And, and we need her to give us more, you know, with uh, having lost Kylie, you know, inside, I think uh, that opens up a lot more time. Um, I think, you know, her development, uh, I think will come a little bit faster now that, that she, she, she's going to get more time. But the honest truth is I, I kind of liken her to a Tierra McCowan. Uh, I remember, you know, we played against Tierra four times in her career at Mississippi State, including her freshman year and then her senior year. Uh, In fact, I think we play them each and every year, if I'm not mistaken, for four years. And she um, is is similar. I think she's better. I think she's a little bigger, a little taller than than Tierra. She's she's more mobile. And uh, I think she's got huge upsides. So I I remember playing Tierra at that time. and, And and I think you know, Philly is, is better. Now we'll see, she's going to have to work hard and um, you know, and the players surrounding her have got to find ways to get her involved in, in the game, but we'll, we'll see how, how she goes. But I think she's got a good attitude and wants to, wants to be, wants to be good. We, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about player to player chemistry. I think a thing that maybe got overlooked a little last year was some of the coaching chemistry with, you've got a lot of new faces on your staff you had some mainstays there. Uh, obviously Jody was back and you've, she's been with you for, I don't know, multiple decades. It feels like back to time. Yeah. But with Jackie and Mike and Brielle and I know Adi's been around a while, but these are faces that hadn't been like together in a group. Like how, how does that develop that, that coaching chemistry? And is that something that you still, I guess, can see developing now? Oh, sure. I, you know, I, I don't think we're anywhere near our ceiling as a staff together. We're still all trying to figure out each other's strengths. Jackie was with the program. Uh, when I think when we won our first Pac-12 championship. Uh, so she's been around, Adi, you already mentioned. So Mike is really the new one on on staff, and, and he was terrific. He's really good at player development, did a, a nice job with the guards. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, and, and Jackie's got a ton of strengths. We've continued off the court to do well in the recruiting, which is a big part of their jobs, you know. And so we haven't, I don't think, really missed a beat in that regard and I'm not changing I I probably do need to change a little bit listen you you, old dogs can learn new tricks and I have to evolve a little bit as a coach I don't think I had a great year either Uh, so it's not just on the players I've got to do a better job of connecting or you know whatever uh, adjusting to 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 each team so uh, and their job as as assistants are to help me or is to help me so uh, I think we're going to – it'll be a, a much different and much better year this year. And, and hey, a shout-out for to Jody. I mean, getting the Hall of Fame, Western mm-hmm. Washington, pretty cool for her. She's well-deserved. I remember watching her as a high school player at Federal Way. They won a state championship. And she's 5'4", just a 
she was a killer on the court, man. I, I just, I loved her game. Uh, wore really long pants. I remember long shorts, high socks and knee pads. So you didn't see any skin from the, you know, from the waist down. Actually, I think she wore an undershirt too, if I'm not mistaken. So she looked so funny out there on the court, but I'm telling you, she was a great, great player. <laughs> I don't know if I can think of anybody who maybe had a similar attire to that that, that I've seen around. That's that's pretty great. Um, just a couple more here on. In yeah. Terms of, well, here's one that I, I've just been, I've been, I mean, we talk about the culture part and COVID interrupted that. And I think there was a plan in place to make an overseas trip a couple of years ago. Yeah. Is that something, is that something that's on the horizon in 22 or 23? Or do you have any plan on that? Not in 22, but we're hoping to do it in 23. And I think that's, we've already started the plans for it. So I think uh, that will be back on the table in 23. How much, how much do those experiences help? Obviously, it's good from a basketball chemistry perspective of playing real competition and sometimes pretty high-end competition, but also just that time spent. And I think sometimes you, you grow closer through maybe being in different places and kind of the enjoyment of it or maybe some adverse situations. Like, how much does that kind of thing miss? Because it's been – it'll probably have been about five years between trips, I think. Yeah, even longer than that. I, it, it's huge, Eric. It really is huge. You get a chance to really bond, you know, and, and I thought that killed us in our COVID year. I thought we had the, the team in place to do really well, but we, we could never, and you know how the restrictions were here, much different than they were down in the South or the Midwest or a lot of different other places. We never had a chance to get together and bond, and I think it showed on the court with that crew. Um, this year it was a little bit like that. You know, we were still restricted in some some things, but, yeah, those overseas, you know, you really get a chance to get to know each other, uh, have some fun. It's not all about business. And, uh, and then, like you said, you do play three or four games. So, you know, that part helps you. But the last time we went was when Sabrina, Ruthie, uh, Lydia Giomi, and that crew, when they were incoming freshmen. So wow. we, it was really critical for them. They, they got a chance to really get to know each other. Remember, we had seven freshmen on that, on that team. So that was a real positive experience. And now I think next year uh, we'll plan on, on doing that. And I think it, it only helps. It can't hurt for sure. Just switch gears a little to some of the, the pro stuff here. And I just, yeah, I know we saw the video of you reacting to Niara going fifth and the excitement, her teaming up with Sabrina, probably just in general, the fact that she goes taking fifth overall was exciting, but the location was pretty cool um, to join Sabrina there. who She never got to play with here, unfortunately. Did you have an inkling going in that that was a high possibility or were you maybe surprised like a lot of us? No, I, I, there were three teams that were, she wasn't going to go uh, later than eight. Okay. I had assurances from three teams, one of which was New York, but until they actually pull that trigger, you know, you don't know. And, and I was really happy that she was going to New York because, you know, I knew Sabrina was going to really take good care of her. And that's, that that's an awesome play. I love their, their management. I, I, you know, Jonathan, great guy. In fact, I'm taking my whole family back to New York for a week, uh, starting June 6th. And, um, we're going to a couple of Liberty games while we're there. In fact, one of them is Chicago. So two, two of our former ducks, by the way, playing for Chicago, Annalie Maley and oh. then Ruthie. And then obviously I coach Vandersloot too. So three of my players that are playing in Chicago, but anyway, yeah. Niara, I'm really happy for, you know, the funny thing about this league and it, and actually it kind of drives me nuts. She was attractive to a lot of teams because she wasn't going to play this year. You know, with her injury, she's had, you know, uh, surgery. So she was going to miss the season. 
And because of the salary cap issues teams have and, you know, roster spots and, and other issues, she became attractive to teams. Now, how screwed up is your league when that is the case? Could you imagine in the NBA, yeah, we're, we really want to take her or him at the five spot because he's not going to play this year? What I mean, what kind of thinking is that? Um, so the WNBA has got to work out this whole roster, you know, salary cap, this whole thing. Um, there's too many good players not playing in that league because they, there's no money. Um, so anyway, yeah, that was uh, it was pretty cool. Four first round draft picks in the last three drafts. How many teams can say that? I'm sure that's an attractive thing to talk about on the recruiting trail. No uh, doubt. Yeah, and it is it is it is interesting. You're right about the Niara thing. It's almost like a it's like a stash play with somebody from Europe who might not come over, and you have their rights, but you don't have to financially. She's not getting paid by the Liberty, I don't think. Is that correct? Or it's it's she's not. Yeah, yeah. she's not. I mean, that's that's sort of a a strange dynamic that I think was kind of missed on a lot of us going into the draft of not knowing what her health circumstances would be for the first season and. Um, well, we'll hope she has a good recovery and a great second or a great first year next year. And what will be Sabrina's fourth. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? They love Niara. I mean, and, and I think it was one of those risk reward deals. I think the reward's going to be great, even though, you know, they, they were risking her first season. I think she's just going to have an amazing second, uh, you know, year and then beyond. She's a good player, man. I'm telling you, she's a good player. What you saw on the court and what she did out here for us and knowing that she really didn't practice much, so her timing's off a little bit and she was able to produce like that, that's, that's incredible. You know, I think one thing that's unique to the WNBA and women's college basketball compared to like even pro football or the NBA and, and men's basketball is your seasons aren't overlapping. So you actually have the opportunity to watch a lot of your former players. Yeah. We talked a couple of years ago. Is, is that appointment viewing for you to sit down and try to watch as much Liberty or as much wings skies you said you've got several players Is that like a big part of your week typically uh, I watch when I can you know I have the the WNBA uh, what do you call that season pass whatever that uh, game time pass which by the way is an awesome buy for $24.99 to get every game uh, you, you just can't beat that for the whole season but I am going to run up this this coming weekend and see um, Seattle play uh, against uh, Sabrina on Sunday. I think she's up there Friday and Sunday this week. Yeah. And I, I try to get to them when I, when I can. Uh, last year I spent uh, the weekend, it was a long weekend up in Seattle and watched Chicago play twice. I was able to hang around that team and go to their practices and their shoot-arounds for a few days. That was pretty neat. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do it when, when I can. And now Satu's back, so add the Dallas Wings into that. I'll try and get to as many games of of hers as I, I can as well. She's finally back from Turkey. That's another crazy thing. They're under contract with their European teams, and so she missed the first month of the season. You know, you're talking an all-star. I mean, could you imagine if that was LeBron or, you know, Jason Tatum or any of those guys? Uh, I'm playing for my other team, and then I'll be back a little late. I'll, I'll get there when I can. It doesn't really happen that way in the NBA, does it? It doesn't happen that way. Nobody has the time to commit to playing in a Euro league and then also an NBA league and trying to do it. And that speaks probably to some of the inequity in terms of the pay and you have to do two leagues like that. Yeah. And I, you know, I get it. It's a shorter season. I think they play 36 games in WNBA. So they, they, you know, don't probably deserve, or it doesn't command the same money that the NBA guys are getting, but they should be paid a lot more. There's no question about it. They, they should be able to make a living just playing in, in the WNBA and not having to go over, sees because it, it just 
taxes their body so much playing two different seasons. Last question I had for you was recruiting base. Obviously, we're not going to get in any of the individual names. I don't want to get you in trouble. But how how has the pandemic and some of like the Zoom call we're on right now, for example, how how has that kind of thing changed recruiting? Like, what I'm kind of curious. Like, I know we're not past the pandemic, but we've moved to a part where there's a little more comfort in kind of where we are. Recruiting restrictions have changed. They, they were lifted last last spring. Um, is there kind of lingering parts that were focal points from that 2021 kind of 2020 and 2021 year that you kind of needed to do that you think are kind of just going to be mainstays going forward with recruiting? Well, I think we did a good job through the pandemic because we had a great class this year, you know, the 22 class that we're bringing in, you know, we didn't have a chance to really go see them and do home visits, anything like that. So I think we managed that well. Uh, I think this Zoom deal, I think that's uh, that's here to stay. So instead of going to Mississippi or Louisiana or somewhere in the south that's really hard to get to from Eugene, Oregon, we can do a uh, you know a Zoom call. We can have on there the high school coach, the club coach, the parents, the grandparents, you know, everybody on there, and and really uh, you know kind of get get to know them without being actually in their home. I still prefer a home visit. I think that you just can't beat that that personal touch. Uh, but at least you can um, meet with them earlier and, and get to know each other. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. And we, we've finally been unleashed, so to speak. The restrictions are gone. I was thinking it might change, but this spring, you know, two re, um, recruiting weekends, viewing weekends, and we were all out every day in multiple, multiple tournaments. So I was thinking that maybe we would streamline this a little bit now, but mm-hmm. no, not the case. We were able to go out, and we all did every single day. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's really changing uh, a lot or okay. has changed a lot. Just curious. I know the pandemic has sort of changed a lot of things subtly, and I figured the Zoom thing was probably the big one. I wasn't sure if there were other things you felt were significant. No, I, I, you know, I don't know where we're headed, Eric, you know, yeah. in terms of this NCAA model. Um, Division One, Power Five, uh, the NIL, the portal, student athletes' rights, the ability to be paid uh, a wage. Now, I, I I don't know where. When you and I talk in three years, we're going to be talking about all new stuff. I I I think we're headed to where our student athletes are going to be paid employees. They're going to be taxed. They're going to be. You know, there's regulations. Uh, there may be a salary cap. I I don't know, man. There, you know, maybe the, the the Power Five schools will break off from the NCAA, do their own thing. Uh, I, you know, and I don't know where we're headed, man. In the next couple of years, I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, I, mean, I don't think anybody does. You know, we two weeks ago at our coaches' meetings, you know, uh, George Kliakoff came in and, and, you know, he's the commissioner of the PAC 12. He came in and spoke with our group, our coaching group. And the picture he painted was not a rosy one Mm. in terms of where we're headed. And I, I think unfortunately if the the student athletes, you know, beware of what you ask for, you know, I think that, I think it's coming. And because of that, you know, you might lose a lot of the uh, so-called Olympic sports and things like that not going to be able to pay every student athlete it's really unfortunate i hate to end it there but uh <laughs> well how about something rosy how about what do you got actually we've got a great nba finals we oh I my mean, god I don't know when this is going to air but 
if the Celtics end up winning and the Warriors end up winning, you're talking about a heck of a, a finals. I've been watching every game, and uh, I'm, I, I'm, I find myself being more of a Warriors fan than I maybe expected going into this. You know, same. Me too. Now, see, I'm a LeBron guy, and so right. I never liked the Warriors because LeBron was in Cleveland and, you know, that whole deal. But the more I watch them, the more you just really appreciate how well they play. And that's the kind of style I think we're going to try and incorporate. Uh, just to, you know, I think last year the ball stuck too much in some of our guards' hands. I think this year, you know, the ball never sticks in Golden State. Nope. They're always moving. They're always on the attack. And I think we have the kind of uh, perimeter strength to play a similar style and really get after them. Let yeah. them play. They're fun in part because it's not just the ball doesn't stick, it's the motion continues. Everyone redirects and the ball moves somewhere and they get to the spots and they find open shots. And it's different than watching even, you know, what Dallas does or what Boston does where it's a lot of slash and one-on-one kick and penetration and get it out. It's, it's, it's a different style. I, I've really enjoyed watching them, them play. Me this too. Season. Yeah, me too. There's a lot of great lessons that you can learn from them. And I love their unselfishness. They'll make the extra pass, even the extra two passes to get a better shot. And how often do you have someone like Steph Curry, you know, in one of the, one of the early playoff series come off the bench because, you know, that's what they had been doing. It just, they, they've got it and they've got the culture. They've got the, the, the style, they've got everything in place, the professionalism, the experience, they're going to be tough to beat. Good save by us. I think we ended it with a little more positive note. And, yeah. uh, Coach, I really appreciate your time. Uh, never take it for granted. And thank you so much for joining the show. It's always good to have you on. All right. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Ots and Audibles. Talk to you later, folks. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.